This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, Doug, I'm coming to you from Woodstock, but um, how are things there? You're actually, if I'm not mistaken, in Venice today. Yeah, I'm in Venice, Italy, right here uh, in the little patio outside the hotel, trying to keep it down a little bit because it's very late at night and people are sleeping. We had a crazy day today over at the shipyard at Mouth Falcone, I think you pronounce it, about two hours from here where we got to tour the Sun Princess, which is about 80% done right now. And uh, I was here six months ago, as you remember. And it's just so crazy seeing the the ship from the infancy stages to it basically being about ready. A cool opportunity for sure. Well, I definitely can't wait to see that. And um, for listeners, the sound may be a little bit spotty because we are doing this transcontinentally. So, you know, Bear with us. So we'll jump right to news then. And our first one here is it looks like Margaritaville at sea has doubled their fleet. Yeah, this might be the most surprising news of the week as far as I'm concerned. But the company behind Margaritaville at sea purchased what was the Costa Atlantica and they changed its name to the Margaritaville at sea Islander. So they already had the Paradise. Now they have the Islander. And the original ship still will be sailing out of Palm Beach, but this new edition will do trips out of Tampa. It right now is over in Europe getting some extensive renovations done, but starting in mid-June, she'll be doing four and five night sailings that'll go to Key West and Cozumel and Progresso. You can actually start booking it now. The site is open and and it's, you know, got lots of pictures of the ship and everything in there and they're taking reservations. And if you're looking to price this, so I just did a quick check and a four-night sailing to Cozumel on the Islander for the middle of June will cost you anywhere from $461 per person for what they're calling a cozy interior all the way up to $1,553 per person for a grand terrace corner suite. So, you know, this ship does have a wider variety of, of staterooms, including suites and things that you will not find on their other ship. But basically, this ship is a big step up for them. And Carnival Cruise Line made a move this past week. Yeah, the nickel and dime crowd broke out their pitchforks and stormed the castle because Carnival was at it again. And... Part of the reason that this was a problem is the way they um, kind of handled it. But let's go back a little bit. This time, it's specialty restaurants. And honestly, some of these changes are are borderline brilliant. I mean, for example, in both the Steakhouse and Rudy's Seagrill, the price is only going up a dollar. So it's going from like $48 to $49 per person. Most people wouldn't even notice that. But if you multiply that single dollar by the number of people who you know will will enjoy those venues on any given cruise, it definitely adds up. So I understand why they did it. But some of the other increases are definitely pricier. For example, Cachina del Capitano is going from $18 to $25 per person, which seems kind of steep, honestly. Um, the chef's table is also going up, but how much you pay for that's going to depend on what ship you happen to be on. I've done the ships, the, the the chef's table on several different carnival ships. And this price discrepancy makes sense to me because, you know, some of them do a far more elaborate dinner. They have it in a far more 
you know, elaborate setting. Um, and so it makes sense that you're going to pay more for those than you might for one on the older ships where they do a different program. The old price for the chef's table was between $80 and $99, depending on the ship. Now, the price will go from $99 to $150. And honestly, while that sounds like a lot, I have to say that it wouldn't stop me from booking. I think the chef's table is a really amazing experience and everybody should do it at least once. I've gotten to the point where I try and do it anytime I'm on a new ship because I want to see what it's like. Now, the reason that this really upset people was usually when cruise lines in general, and certainly Carnival in particular, when they make a price increase, they'll do this. They'll say, let's say the gratuities are going up. They will make an announcement saying, hey, the gratuities are going up by $1.50 a person. It'll be starting on January, you know, whatever. And, but if you book it now, you can lock your prices in. They did not do that in this case. They just basically raised the prices and then, you know, kind of let word get out that, whoops, the prices went up. So, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that people were so upset. Honestly, I think if they had handled it a little bit differently, you know, if they'd been very upfront and been like, you know, listen, we're raising the price a dollar for the steakhouse. It's not that much. It's not a big deal. Yes, some people would still be upset, but not as many as are upset by the fact that they tried to like do it slyly. I think that's kind of where the problem comes in. There's a balance too, right? Because I mean, yeah, you should probably have respect for your customer who's been loyal to you for so long to at least give them the courtesy to do what you just said to pre-purchase and lock it in. But on the other side, like if, I don't know, Ruth, Chris, Outback, whatever, if they raise their price, they don't have to tell you in advance, you know? Totally. That's That's really true. I mean, I guess... You know, a little bit of the difference is that when that those are not pay one price venues, you know, like if I go to a mm -hmm. steakhouse on land, I'm going to pay based on what I what I'm um, what I'm ordering. So it's almost impossible for if they if they raise the prices, you're not going to notice because it's your overall bill. Um, whereas on a cruise ship, you know, when you go to the steakhouse, whether it's Carnival or Norwegian or wherever you are usually unless you're going a la carte, which you can do you're usually paying one price. So it's very noticeable when that one price goes up. And one more Carnival story here. It involves Carnival Panorama and losing a signature feature. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. This is the Carnival Panorama, like you said, and it's this ship has had a rough go of it lately. Regular listeners will recall that a while back, the ship started having propulsion issues, which basically cut its speed in half. They had to cancel a few sailings and send the ship for repairs. But because she's over a thousand feet long, there weren't dry dock facilities available in California, which could accommodate her. So they looked around and they're like, okay, we'll send her to Oregon. So off to Oregon, the ship went. But in order to get to that facility, Part of the whale tail, which, you know, is the the signature of every carnival ship. You can always tell a carnival ship because of that. Uh, part of it had to be removed in order for the ship to have enough clearance to get under the bridge that they needed to get to, or several of the bridges, actually, in order to have repairs made. But fear not, this is a temporary thing. Once the repairs are completed and she's ready to go again, the whale tail will be restored. It's kind of interesting, though. This is the second tale about a tale. This is the second story we've done in the last year or so about a whale tail being missing, because obviously there was the, I think it was the Carnival Freedom whose tail caught fire and for a while it was sailing without one, but it has since been restored. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's iconic. I mean, when you think of Carnival Cruise Line, you think of, you can, you can tell the shape, you know, you see it coming down, you see that whale tail, you know, it's a Carnival ship because it is iconic. 
So uh, Celebrity Ascent was recently christened in Port Everglades. You know, I wonder. I know the proper present to get for like a baby at a christening, but I don't know what you're supposed to get a ship for her christening. In any case, that's the big event that Celebrity marked this week. Um, The proceedings were overseen by two sets of siblings because first, there's the captains who will split the duty on the ascent, which is Dimitri and Tassos. Kavasas, and I'm sure I butchered their name, and I apologize for that. Please don't send anybody out to hurt me. Um, and then, because this whole story is like something out of one of those old double mint gum commercials, we also had a pair of sisters, thanks to the godmothers of the ship, which are Sandy Yawn, who is kind of better known as Captain Sandy from the Below Deck franchise on Bravo, And her sister, Michelle Dunham, who's the founder of the School of Autism, which happens to be located right in your neck of the woods in Jacksonville. Uh, The ship had its christening. Everything went great. And then they left on their inaugural sailing from her new home port of Fort Lauderdale. So right now there are people on there enjoying that new ship smell uh, with the, the brothers and the sisters. They should do some kind of like special event where they they bring, I mean, these people are not twins, but they should bring like as many twins as they can on and get some publicity out of like a whole photo shoot with a, a cruise ship filled with twins. I think that would be a blast. Back in the good old days, we'll say before 9-11, you could actually stand at the cruise pier and jump on a cruise ship just right before it departs if someone doesn't show up. And Holland America is launching a program, but it's not that easy. No, but it's it's kind of cool. So this is sort of like, you know, if you want to fly standby, except on a cruise ship. So the way it works is this. If you go on Holland America's site, they have um, a list of all of these different um, ships that you can jump on. It's called HollandAmerica.com, and it's their standby program. And there are dozens and dozens of different sailings. Well, let's say you want to try and go on one of these trips. You want to get a really good price. So let's just pick right here, sailing out in San Diego on January 6th of 2024. They have a seven-day Baja Peninsula sailing. It's round trip out of San Diego on the Dam. Let's say that you wanted to try and get on that, but you don't want to pay full price. You get on their standby list. If you are accepted on the standby list, you pay $49 per person per day for the first two guests. Uh, you, you have to pay when you are approved on the list. Even if it's like months in advance, you pay at that time the entire price. If... About a week before that sailing, they will let you know if you were accepted. If you were accepted, then, you know, you've already paid. You go, you get on the ship, blah, blah, blah. If you do not make the cut and don't get on the ship, then they refund you the money. Now, here's the catch. If you sign up to go stand by on the ship and you pay your $49 per day per person and you have to pay for the whole week, um, if you wind up for some reason not being able to go, you forfeit that money. You know, it's it's just, it's it's a gone pecan. But it's kind of a good deal. Third and fourth guests in a room, basically cruise-free. You, you still have to pay their um, taxes and port fees, which, by the way, are also additional on the $49 a day. You know, if you happen, let's say you live in San Diego, you could put yourself on on several of these standby trips. And as long as you're able to go on a moment's notice, you know, they call you and they say, hey, you're, you're, you, you made the cut. For $49 a day, that's a great deal. 
And speaking of cruise lines, we're going to wrap it up here with what do I? What am I saying? Speaking of cruise lines, for this—that's what the whole damn show is about: cruise ships and cruise lines. I don't even know why I said that, but we're going to keep rolling with it. Yeah, Royal Caribbean's new one um, has a home port now and is on sale. But what are those prices like? That's a good question, Doug. So we're talking about the Star of the Seas. So they just rolled out Icon of the Seas, which is getting a lot of buzz, especially the Aqua Dome at the front and all that. I'm really kind of interested to learn more about that i i i don't i don't know if i have any interest in sailing on this ship it's awfully big and 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 hold a lot of people as we've been talking about for weeks now anyway her sister ship is star of the seas and her inaugural sailing will be on august 24th from her home port which is going to be port canaveral Pricing wise. So just so you know, the inaugural has not yet sold out. If you would like to, at least as we as of when we recorded this, you can, you know, go on, go and jump on the ship. But here's what it's going to cost you. An inside room will set you back $2,200 per person. And you can go all the way up to $6,000 per person. So if you've got a little extra money and you're thinking, you know, in August of 2025, I want to go on a cruise. Maybe this is the thing you should look at. Uh, head to the site and check it out. Very good. Well, we'll wrap it there. And uh, hopefully next time we talk, I'll be back with, uh, I won't say in the studio, but hopefully back with a better connection at least. Hey, you know what? People suffered through it because they love us. <laughs> Thanks, man. Anytime. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Kevin and his family just returned from a six-night Thanksgiving cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas, and Kevin joins us on the line to talk all about it. How you doing, my friend? Doing great, Doug. How about you? Good. Welcome to Florida, too. You made that big move from the Northwest. Yeah, very exciting. We're happy to be down in the Sunshine State and also a lot closer to the cruise ship. A lot closer and a lot warmer. Exactly. Yeah. So you did this sixth night on Adventure of the Seas, which is based out of Port Canaveral. You're down in the Orlando area, so not too terribly far from the port. Uh, but before we get to the ship itself, we'll take a step back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to book this sixth night Thanksgiving cruise on Adventure? Well, first off is uh, close to home at, the, at that point, you know, really close to where we live now. And, you know, we enjoy Thanksgiving cruises in general. And it was a great price, great deal, and great itinerary. So we we're really looking forward to it. We still jumped over to, uh, to Cape Canaveral the night before, just that way we were close to the ship. And because you never know what could happen. You know, Florida weather can get crazy at times, too. Yeah. So you make your way to Port Canaveral and you go to Embark Adventure of the Seas. How was the embarkation process and what, what terminal is Adventure using now? Adventure is using uh, Terminal 5. So I guess that's Royal Caribbean's kind of older terminal. Mm -hmm. You know, one, t one big tip on that one was. You know, I honestly didn't expect it to take too terribly long to, uh, in traffic 
from our hotel, which normally showed to be a five-minute drive, ended up being almost 45 minutes from our hotel to the to the parking garage. The, the entryway into Terminal 5 uses the same entryway as Terminal 6, and the Carmel Vista was also going out that same day. And so the line was just really slow. So anyone that's headed that direction, whether it's Carnival or Royal Caribbean, definitely would recommend you know, having extra time just in case traffic is super slow, whether you're parking the car or whether you're using an Uber or Lyft. How was it once you got to the port, you got parked? Uh, how was the embarkation process? It was really quick. So, yeah, you know, the way they have it set up there is, yeah, if you do park, you uh, actually drop off your luggage on the first floor before you actually head up to parking. So they kind of have they, they require you to kind of go that zigzag route. But once we got up to our parking spot to the ship, honestly, no more than 15, 20 minutes at most. I mean, it, there was really no lines at all. Check-in itself, really smooth. Security itself, really really smooth. And then right on to the ship. Was this your first time on adventure? It was. So we sailed some of some of the sister ships in that mm-hmm. class. So it looked you know, very similar. Uh, however, yeah, it was our first time actually on, on adventure. So you walk on board the ship. What were your first impressions of adventure? It's a really nice ship. I mean, even though it's, I mean, quite a few, it's, it's definitely not their newest and latest and greatest ship, right? It's not Icon or Wonder or any of that stuff. Doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but you know, it's you can tell they really do a good job keeping it up. It has plenty of spaces for everyone, a lot of different activities to do. So we were pretty impressed. And you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this six night cruise? And what did you think of it throughout the week? It was really nice. So we had a junior suite up on deck ten on the right side of the ship. It was good. I mean, it was, so one caveat, I guess it, it was a handicapped accessible room. Um, we didn't necessarily need that, but that's, that was the only thing that was available in that class when we were booking and it remained full the entire time. I think this ship had been uh, sold out actually for, you know, several months, I think just because of the fact that it was a, you know, Thanksgiving sailing and pretty popular time, but you know, the junior suites on the Royal Caribbean are wonderful. I mean, there's usually plenty of space. I think those are the only ones in Royal Caribbean that even have like a walk-in closet, mm-hmm. which is very helpful when you're, when you're, traveling as a family, uh, you know, so plenty of storage space. I think the only thing that was probably disappointing was it didn't have the, you know, like USB ports or any of that kind of stuff. It, you essentially had two American plugs, one European plug, and that was it and nothing by the bed or anything like that. And like I said, I don't know if that's because of also being kind of handicapped accessible. So some of the stuff was taken up, away, taken away. It was still doable. We had a great time. And end of the week, we were pretty much like, we would do this. We would do the same stateroom again if we wanted to. As far as your location, you mentioned you were on ten. Was there any kind of noise, whether like the sides of you near any service closets or anything above or below you that was kind of noisy throughout your sailing? I would say moderately noisy because I mean, deck. We were on deck ten. Right above us was the solarium uh, area, so you did hear some chair screeching a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also, that particular room was just off of the you know, the hallway into the elevator banks. So you heard a little bit of noise as people would come back late at night. Uh, but in the long run, it wasn't wasn't unbearable. You know, it, it was reasonable and manageable. Let's talk about the dining on this six-night cruise, and we'll start up at the buffet area, the Windjammer Cafe. How was your experience up there through your voyage? It was really good. We, we ate there several times, uh, breakfast and lunch. Uh, and there's always, you know, great, great options. The lines to get food themselves weren't that bad. I think probably the biggest problem were in some of the sea days and some of the um, just busier times, it was really hard to find a seat. Uh, it was super congested uh, in, especially in the seating area. They did make several announcements kind of, th- you know, throughout the time that we were in there, basically saying, hey, if you can't find a seat, you know, please let one of the you know, waiters know or one of the you know, head servers know 
you know, that way they could help we, hopefully help you find a chair, which we did have to take advantage of once because we kept circling around, not finding anything. And luckily they helped us find something. So, um, but overall we, we had a good experience up there. And how about the main dining room? Uh, what time dining did you have and how was your experience? We had early dining. So on Royal Caribbean, that's 530, uh, at 5.30 p.m. I think it's 5.30 and 8 are the two selections that you could choose or obviously my time or any time dining. Um, so we chose 5.30 just because we were traveling with our son, who's three years old. And so we're 8 o'clock would be a little too late for him. But uh, 5.30 was good. We, you know, Our wait, wait staff was pretty good. I mean, I would say they weren't excellent, but they weren't horrible. You know, So they took good, good care of our, our special needs, I guess, as far as making sure the, the little guy had you know, milk and you know, food in front of him because you know, keeping, keeping those items in front of them kind of makes, makes the dinner experience pretty good. How was it? You mentioned this was a Thanksgiving cruise. So how was it? Like, was there a big extravagant feast served in the main dining room? I know some ships only do it at the buffet area. Like, how was it on uh, Adventure? So on, on Thanksgiving Day itself, they did have a special Thanksgiving menu. So, you know, Royal Caribbean, I think, switched over to like their theme night, theme nights for each of the, each of the eating, eating services. But uh, on Thanksgiving night, they did have a special menu had uh, turkey and all that fun stuff. You know, the, the normal, the normal fare. I guess the only thing that was a little bit different is they had what they called pumpkin pie, which was more like pumpkin cheesecake. I think more than anything, we actually read the description. But besides that, it was it was it was good. So we had a we had a good meal on Thanksgiving. Okay. Any specialty restaurants? We did not do any specialty restaurants. It was definitely tempting, but uh, with the little one, it was it would probably been more uh, harm than good. So right, I'll hear we you. mostly stuck to the main dining room and the buffet. Gotcha. Any venues that I'm missing maybe that you like a grab and go type place or I'm not familiar. Like did these older ships have Sorrento's on them and such? They don't specifically have Sorrento's, but it's all, it's all baked into a cafe promenade on this particular ship. And so uh, we did stop by cafe promenade, you know, grab, grab some slices of pizza, which were really good on the sailing. Uh, also they have uh, basically like Starbucks coffee there. Um, can't have to actually call it Starbucks or not, but it was, uh, they always had, you know, Starbucks like drinks at the cafe promenade and they were, they were really, really good, but that's also where they have like Ben and Jerry's and everything right there on the promenade on deck five. Very good. How was the entertainment on the six night cruise? Entertainment was really good. So we, we made it to a couple of the stage productions, um, you know, with our son even, and he, he really enjoyed it. There are a couple of, uh, like, you know, dancing and, and songs, uh, singing performances, he was a comedian one night and everything. So um, they had a one. They had, I think, the singer. That I think is popular amongst several of the cruise lines. Uh, I think his name is what Daryl Williams or yeah, I think it's Daryl Williams. He was on there. Um, really great singer. Like I said, I feel like if a three-year-old was entertained, then he they were doing a real good job, and that was the case. So, right. Um, we we really enjoyed the entertainment. And, and then throughout the ship, they usually had like you know obviously music by the pool. You know they have a live band there and and other things throughout the ship, and those were also really really fun to stop and listen to every once in a while. As far as sea days, how was it as with crowds and congestion? Because you were on a Thanksgiving cruise, which has a lot of families, including yours. So could you tell it was a very busy ship with a lot of little ones? You could. There, there were definitely, like you said, a lot of families on board. And, you know, around the pool, it looked like there were definitely a lot of people, you know, the, the usual cruise chair hogs. Uh, my wife at one point even went out and, you know, with my son for breakfast early one morning. And she's like, man, there's already people, you know, putting towels on the chairs at, you know, 8 a.m., you know, and so forth. So you definitely saw that on this one. You know, a lot of the congestion was, was around the pool area and around the buffet in particular. 
I know you have a little one on board with you, but did you go through the casino at all? And did you notice the smoke situation in there? We didn't go directly by it. I'll say that we were fairly close to it just because, you know, which uh, deck our dining room was on and also, you know, to get to the, the show theater and so, and so forth. Um, it didn't seem like the smoke was too, too terribly bad, but I'll say we, we did not get a chance to actually walk through the casino. So let's talk about the ports of call on this six-night sailing. So give us the first port, give us a highlight, then move to the second one. So the first port was in Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, we actually originally booked the Blue Lagoon uh, excursion, but unfortunately they had an incident and uh, had to cancel, cancel that last minute, which did cause us a little bit of a heartburn because we had to briefly or quickly uh, – scramble to find something else, but luckily we were able to find the uh, Nassau beach break and sightseeing excursion. And so, which you know, probably was very close to obviously close to the uh, Blue Lagoon uh, experience in some, some way. Um, it was good. Um, the, the chairs, yeah, I'll say that the chairs weren't the most comfortable that they offered on the beach, but overall the, the beach experience was nice. They did provide a small little lunch, uh, which was good. And uh, you know, it was overall, it was a good experience. So we had a, we had a good time there. And it's also kind of neat to see as we got back, you know, they dropped us off kind of right by the, obviously right by the port and to get to see the Newport uh, terminal there in Nassau. And you could tell it has really been uh, expanded and looks pretty nice. So lots, lots to do there for sure. And then after Nassau, where'd you go? We went to uh, Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic. Um, it's also, I guess, the same port. Uh, that Carnival calls Amber Cove, but all the other cruise lines call it Puerto Plata. Um, also, again, we had a we had a real good time there. Did, did another beach day, uh, just you know, obviously with the little guy. It's you know beach days are usually kind of the easiest easiest one, and uh, especially for attention spans and so forth. So we did the um, Ocean World Day Beach Pass. So that one, I'm sorry, no no, uh, Ocean World Day Pass is what it was called. And there was a lot of different things, a lot of different animal encounters that you could do. You'd have to pay extra for. So they had like dolphins you could uh, go swim with, obviously. And they even had some sharks there, some sea lions. Um, they had a, a beach area that was also, that was free and included. Uh, it's kind of like a protected area. So it was nice um, with the little guy because there wasn't a huge amount of waves. Uh, there was also, they had a, a free sea lion show that you could see them kind of do tricks. And uh, they had like some like a, a bird exhibit, rainforest exhibit that you can walk through that was also included. Okay. And so it did not include lunch though. Um, so that's one thing. But overall, again, it was a really good experience. Um, you know that had a, that we had a great time with. Okay, so I want to back up for a second because I this is where I get confused. So you say Porta Plata, and you were mentioning Amber Cove. Is this like Norwegian goes to Porta Plata, but it's a separate cruise port, the one where they got uh, they ran aground last year? Was this the port? that Carnival actually docks, like the Carnival Corporation built port that you went to, the Amber Cove, or was it the actual, the secondary one that, that's not affiliated with Carnival Corporation? So it's the one that's not affiliated with Carnival Corporation. Okay. So it's, it's yeah, they are apparently not that far apart from what I understand, mm-hmm. but they are two, two separate ports. Um, there was actually a Norwegian ship docked to us in, in Puerto Plata. Um, care which one it was at the moment, but uh, there was one docked next to us. So, gotcha. uh, but it has a lot of similar amenities because we went to Amber Cove last year mm-hmm. on Mardi Gras, and they, I mean, this one also has like a lazy river that you could go on. There was a pool, and I think a lot of those same amenities that Amber Cove has okay. as well. So, they've the Dominican Republic has a nice port area that you honestly could probably stay there and have a very nice day. Yeah, and and not have to actually do anything. And what was the last port of call? 
So the last port of call is Labadee, Haiti, which is uh, one of World Caribbean's private islands. So it's definitely not a perfect day um, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of the still the old school. It's bare bones, basic in some aspects, but you know, we we still had a great time. Just kind of grabbed a beach chair on one of the beaches, uh, not the first one, um, but the, like another one that was a little bit down the road, down the walkway, uh, and it was kind of, it was also protected, so there wasn't as much um, much wave action, which was good for for families. There was quite a bit of seaweed in the water, um, you know, so that's one thing to kind of keep in mind, you know, and and also the the food selections that are on there, the free buffets at least are very basic. It's definitely not, again, like I said, it doesn't have all the selections that Perfect Day has uh, for sure, but still a good beach day. And it's a free beach day too, right? Cause it, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to spend a dime if you don't want to. It's crazy, right? Because like for, uh, before Coco K at Perfect Day was developed, like Labadee was the place to go because you had a pier there. You had the dragon flight yeah. zip line, you had all this stuff. Yeah, no, and it's still a nice place. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, we, we look forward to going back there someday as well. I mean, our cruises that we have booked next year, they do go to Perfect Day, not Labadee, but Hey, I think you'd still, it's still exciting itinerary. And, you know, I think going to the private islands in general, you know, it, it's a big, it's a big plus in yeah. some aspects. So big plus for the cruise lines too, making them that money. Yeah. That too. yeah. Um, <laughs> did you notice uh, if you're on Labadee and you have the drink package, I'm not sure if you did or not, but could you use the drink package on Labadee or was it like um, some of those Caribbean islands, they have separate vendors and different agreements where you can't use the drink package on the island? Yeah, you, you can. So we didn't have actual drink package, but we have the, you know, we're Diamond Plus members of Royal Caribbean. So one of the perks of there is that you get five free uh, drinks up to, I think it's $14 if I recall. So um, I think some people call it the poor man's drink package in some aspects, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you can still use it on the island. I think I think Perfect Day as well was the same situation. You could use it on the island, but um, that's from past experience. But from this one, Labadee, you could use it on the island. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. You make your way back to Port Canaveral. Um, how was it as far as debarkation? It was really good. So, you know, because we were driving um, home and, you know, that was really awesome to be able to do, uh, you know, we kind of waited till last minute to, to get off the ship. So we, we didn't, didn't encounter the rush of it all, but you know, from the time we you know, left, you know, the, the cafe promenade in deck five to the time we were at the car was uh, no more than 20 minutes as well. And I feel like we pretty much just kept on walking I mean, between getting off the ship, getting our luggage. Um, they use facial recognition there. So and there was no lines for that at all, you know. And so I think the only line we waited in was the line from the to go up the elevator in the parking garage, you know. And so that was super easy and super wonderful. And, you know, we were excited to be able to essentially be from ship to home in less than an hour, uh, yeah. which is pretty awesome. Instead of what, 3000 miles or whatever it was from where, where you used to yeah. live right in the Northwest? No, for sure. <laughs> I, you know, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, as we were sitting in our, sitting on our uh, couch in our house, I said, you know, what's awesome is knowing that we're home. And at this time, usually we'd be sitting at the airport and mm-hmm. we're still like a whole day of travel to go. Yeah. And so this was a, it was a wonderful feeling and you know, <laughs> excited to be in Florida. Definitely one of the big perks. Any first time tips to offer someone sailing adventure of the seas? I think just make sure you manage your expectations. I mean, you know, often you see the ads for World Caribbean, you see all the, you know, the zip lines and things like that. And, you know, the, the adventure of the seas doesn't have all, all those extra features. However, it has a lot of wonderful features. I mean, it has a, has a flow rider, has the rock climbing wall, has a wonderful pool, you know, you know, great Salam area, friendly staff, great entertainment. So um, definitely don't discount it at any, any means. I mean, if you find a great deal, 
on this ship, uh, definitely take advantage of it. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? I'd say just, uh, you know, it was a really great itinerary and spending that as a family. Um, you know, the, going to Dominican Republic, Nassau, and, you know, Labadee over, over Thanksgiving, you know, really, really enjoy that time. I mean, just great family time, disconnecting and enjoying the, the warm tropical weather of the Caribbean. And in closing here, your final thoughts of Adventure of the Seas. Definitely take it. If, you want, if you're if you looking at it and, you know, on the fence, strongly recommend it. It's a great ship, you know, great crew. You should definitely should strongly consider it when uh, considering World Caribbean ships or any other, any other ships out there. Very good. We've been talking with Kevin about his six-night Thanksgiving cruise aboard Adventure of the Seas. Kevin, once again, welcome to Florida. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and look forward to talking to you again, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, Doug. Have a great rest of your day. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.